Welcome to the new Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller from WMHT.org. David Allen Miller conducts the Albany Symphony and he provides commentary on the WMHT live broadcast. David's commentary is full of fascinating stories about the music, the performances, and more. In order to keep the program mostly music, some of what he provides ends up on the cutting room floor. This podcast contains no music, but it does contain all of David Allen Miller's commentary from the concert broadcast on WMHT Live on WMHT-FM, your classical companion. The podcast of conductor David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony Concert Broadcast is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. Our concert began with an absolutely radiant new work by one of our four resident composers, Peter Child. I should probably begin by just giving a little background about our resident composers. There's a wonderful program that's sponsored by a composer advocacy group called Meet the Composer, as well as the American Symphony Orchestra League. They've partnered to create a set of extended residencies called the Music Alive Extended Residency Program. And a couple of years back, we applied for a residency that would include four of our favorite composers who would spend a significant amount of time in the capital region writing pieces for the orchestra, having pieces performed by the orchestra, and even more importantly, working in schools and with the community to sort of raise consciousness about music, about composition, and actually to work with school groups to create new works, which in fact all four of them have been doing. So two of our four resident composers are featured on this evening's program. They are Peter Child and George Sintakis. In addition, Dorothy Chang and Carolyn Yarnell are our other two resident composers, and their works either have been featured earlier in the season or will be featured in upcoming concerts. Anyway, Peter Child, as part of his residency, uh, has been involved in a very exciting collaboration between Albany's three primary arts institutions, the Albany Institute of History and Art, Capital Repertory Theater, and the Albany Symphony. And so about a year ago, he went down to the Art Institute and looked through their holdings and began to generate ideas for a piece that would include all three institutions. And he happened on a set of beautiful drawings from children's books by Dorothy Lathrop, the Albany-born illustrator who was very active at the beginning of the 20th century and whose works are particularly well-known in England, which happens to be the country in which Peter was born and raised. He's currently a professor at MIT in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and has spent more than half his life in the U.S., but is certainly an Englishman at heart and born and bred that way. So he was very excited by these beautiful illustrations because they sort of recalled his childhood in England and the books he read as a child. The poetry was mainly by a a very uh, gifted poet named Walter Delamar. And so Peter selected a group of these illustrations to fashion a piece out of. And the piece exists now in one and a half versions. It exists in this beautiful orchestra version you're about to hear, but it also exists as a work that's continuing to evolve, a more intimate piece for just a few instruments that will ultimately involve Dorothy Lathrop's projections of Dorothy Lathrop's artwork, as well as actors from Capitol Repertory Theater acting out the poems in some way or reciting the poems, thus creating a a collaborative work between the three institutions. So the version we hear now is the orchestral version of this piece. It's in essence seven drawings, or I should say it's inspired by seven drawings and seven accompanying poems. While obviously on the radio you can't see the drawings, we had a beautiful program book that showed the drawings at at the concert, but you will in fact hear each of the poems because the actor, Robert Ian McKenzie, our narrator, recites the poems prior to each movement of the piece. So what you'll hear, in essence, are seven poems recited, each followed by a movement of the piece. 
I should mention that while six of the poems are by Mr. Delamar, the very first one is a very famous poem, a recitation from Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare. So now here's the world premiere of Peter Child's new work inspired by the artwork of Dorothy Lathrop and the poems of Walter Delamar. It's called Down a Down Dairy, a fairy suite for orchestra. The seven movements are one, fanfare, two, the water midden song, three, the mocking fairy, four, sadly, oh sadly, five, the ride by nights, six, the little salamander, and seven, sunk Lyonnaise. They're performed by the Albany Symphony with Robert Ian McKenzie narrator and me, David Allen Miller, conducting. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. That was the world premiere of Peter Child's Down a Down Dairy, a fairy suite for orchestra, performed by the Albany Symphony with me, David Allen Miller, conducting, as well as Robert Ian McKenzie, reciting those beautiful poems by Walter de and Shakespeare. The second work on our program is a work that actually the Albany Symphony played a few years back. It was a work that was originally commissioned and premiered by the Oregon Symphony in Portland, Oregon. Premiered with this evening's soloist, Jimmy Lin, Cho Liang Lin, as soloist. But George and Jimmy were not entirely satisfied with the performance and, and the piece in its first incarnation. So George called me up, actually, a couple of years later, in I think 2003, and asked whether we would be willing to premiere the revised version of the piece. Now, I'm a big fan of George Santakis' music, even before he was our resident composer. He's one of the most, I think, important and interesting composers working in America today. He has this interesting Greek background. He's born in New York State, but very strongly Greek ancestry. And so his music often owes a great deal to his Greek ancestry. This piece happens not to, but um, the piece we did last year, Miraloya, was very much based on Greek materials. And there's a sort of exoticism and a sense of color and of fantasy in his piece that I think owes something to his ethnic uh, upbringing, to his background. So I was happy to do the piece, and we premiered it uh, in its revised version a few years back. And then as part of the residency I mentioned earlier, George, one of our resident composers, proposed the idea that, that uh, we actually create a recording with Koch International, a wonderful recording company, uh, that we make a recording entirely made up of George's orchestral, some of his major orchestral pieces that have not yet been recorded. So the recording will be coming out in a couple of years, probably in a little more than a year, and it will feature the work we did last year, Miraloya, as well as this violin concerto with Cho Liang Lin, and a work that we'll be performing next year called October. So here we have a repeat performance, something we don't do all that often at the Albany Symphony, of a work we played a few years back, but a very exciting repeat performance because we're recording this work for commercial release. And it's been quite wonderful to reacquaint ourselves with the pieces because, as you can imagine, when an orchestra and conductor encounter a work for the first time, a new work just out of the bag, so to speak, you know, just getting to know it and getting familiar with it is, is a, a huge challenge. But interestingly, when you come back to a piece, even for the second time, it feels so much more more familiar and you kind of know your way around it. So we had a great time putting this piece back together. It is in in certain ways a somewhat challenging piece in that George's idea in this concerto is that it should be, in essence, an unconcerto or an anti-concerto in which, you know how in most concerti, the soloist is this raging show-off virtuoso who uh, cascades of, of notes and scales and arpeggios showing off all the stuff he or she does best. 
George's thought in this piece was, why not make the violin, in essence, the opposite of that, a sort of introspective voice of reason, as he describes it. And the orchestra, in essence, is cast as this kind of wild, virtuosic character, and the violin throughout the piece tries to calm the orchestra and, and make a sort of reasoned, introspective, often achingly beautiful argument. At the same time, I think George had some ideas about the orchestra being cast as kind of humanity and the craziness of modernity and that uh, the orchestra does all sorts of kind of wild things, particularly in the the first movement of the piece. The piece is cast in the traditional three movements, a fast, lively first movement with a a beautiful slow introduction, a very introspective and beautiful uh, slow movement, very extensive slow movement, and finally a kind of rondo uh, dance-like finale. But the challenge of the piece is that the orchestra is given all the really wild virtuosic material. Occasionally, it tends to overwhelm the soloist, frankly, intentionally. And yet, ultimately, in the third movement, the soloist and the orchestra find a sort of equilibrium with each other. What's particularly striking about the piece, I think, is that uh, George uses all sorts of little fragments of kind of pop culture motifs in the first movement, uh, in the orchestra part, to sort of suggest all of this wildness of, of sort of the... the the loud culture of modernity. So you'll hear uh, there's one theme uh, when the orchestra really gets going that sounds like the theme from I Love Lucy or That's Entertainment or you hear almost like 1950s uh, cartoon music, uh, little fragments of it in the wild orchestral part. At the same time, the solo part is almost always quite a different and more, dare I say, noble or majestic kind of writing. So here now, the recording premiere uh, not the world premiere, actually the third performance of this work, but the recording premiere of George Santakis's Violin Concerto Number no. 1. The soloist is the brilliant Taiwanese-born violinist Cho Liang Lin, and the orchestra is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. The second half of our program was given over entirely to works by a towering figure in the history of American film music, Bernard Herrmann. Now, Bernard Herrmann, for anyone who follows film and and knows anything about film history, was really one of the the giants of 20th century film and and one of the greatest and most important creators in the history of film, uh, particularly known for his collaborations, his frequent collaborations with Alfred Hitchcock. In fact, Herrmann essentially pioneered or invented the genre of scary film music. In films like North by Northwest, Vertigo, and the ever-popular and equally gruesome Psycho. But uh, Herman had a fascinating career, and certainly an, an unbelievable career in film, which stretched from his very first film, a film that uh, he was brought out to Hollywood to do by his good friend Orson Welles. Before I describe his film career, let me just uh, give you a little background. He was born in 1911 in New York City, and as a 22 or 23-year-old, became a staff conductor, composer, uh, one of the, the musician leaders, arrangers for Columbia Broadcasting, what eventually became CBS, and eventually became the principal conductor of the CBS Orchestra in 1943. And uh, among his many creative and interesting radio projects in this uh, period before he went out to Hollywood, he was very closely related to Orson Welles and the, the group that Orson Welles had, the Mercury Radio Theater. So he scored really hundreds and hundreds of radio dramas for Welles and his troupe, uh, as well as doing all sorts of other works for the radio. And so when Welles went out to Hollywood to make his first picture, he immediately asked Bernard Herrmann to go. The film was called Citizen Kane. So if you can imagine his his career, it went from Citizen Kane all through all of Hitchcock's main films, most of which he scored, and his career ended with Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. I believe that's like 1974, 1975, which he just completed 
before his his death. So it's an unbelievable chunk of American film history that Bernard Herrmann was responsible for. And we've been so tickled that the pieces that we've been doing this week, that we were working on in preparation for this concert, uh, are all works from this period before Herrmann went to Hollywood. And what's so intriguing about them is they sound like movie music, dare I say. As we were working on these pieces, I kept thinking of, of Rachmaninoff. You know, I have a, a close friend who always says she doesn't like Rachmaninoff's music, and whenever I ask why, she says, well, because it sounds like movie music. But all of us who know about music history know that, in fact, that's incorrect. It's not that Rachmaninoff sounds like movie music. It's that movie music sounds like Rachmaninoff. And in a certain sense, particularly scary movie music, it's not that Bernard Herrmann's music sounds like scary movie music. It's that Bernard Herrmann essentially created the genre, and so scary movie music really sounds like Bernard Herrmann. So what was so interesting was to hear these works, which have not been played in 70-some years from the period before Herrmann went to Hollywood, and hear his fingerprints. Uh, they're so clear from the Hitchcock films and the famous films he scored all over these early works. It was like the man was destined to go to Hollywood and do exactly what he did. And like so many of these film composers of the era, uh, while Herman had incredible success in Hollywood and became a fabulously wealthy man, he was always frustrated because he felt that his pure concert works, his symphonic works, his, quote, serious uh, works were dismissed. You know, everybody said, oh, well, it's, he's a movie composer. You know, he writes wonderful movie music, but how serious a composer can he be if he's out in Hollywood? For generations, this was sort of the, the norm, that the Hollywood composers were kind of dismissed, and yet so many of them wrote really gorgeous and uh, very exciting pure symphonic music. So it's been very exciting for the Albany Symphony and for me to uncover some of these early unknown works of Hermann. And again, we're very excited to be recording these works in the upcoming seasons, again, for Koch International, the record company. On the program this evening, essentially are four works by Bernard Herrmann. The first two are, I would say, the most intriguing. They are called melodrams. Melodrama is a, a very old form, and actually Schubert wrote melodrams, Liszt wrote melodrams. Usually a melodrama is, is scored for speaker and piano, but occasionally composers have tried to write melodrams for speaker with orchestra. A melodrama is simply that, a combination of, of melos, of music, and drama, and spoken word, a theater. So it is, in, in essence, a recited piece with music. And I suppose, you know, the Lincoln portrait of Copeland is, is the, the most successful example I know of, or you could almost make a case that Peter and the Wolf is sort of a melodrama. But what Hermann did, these were actually melodramas designed to be played on radio, and they were in fact played in the mid-30s on the radio. And the way they describe it on the radio is very touching as a sort of experiment, a radio experiment, spoken word with full orchestra behind it. Hermann wrote eight or nine of these melodramas, all of which we'll be performing and recording in coming years. On this program, we perform only two of them, and I picked two rather contrasting ones, because Hermann in his in his set of melodrams that he wrote for the radio really tried to write very different kinds of melodrams to show off you know, certain melodrams which were much more about the spoken word, other melodrams which were really about the orchestra painting word for word the text, and so on and so forth. So I picked one rather understated melodrama and one rather overstated one. The first one is called A Shropshire Lad, and it takes as its material three beautiful poems by the late 19th century poet A.E. Houseman, the English poet. And he builds a beautiful and delightful little six-minute melodrama out of it. 
It's followed by our second melodrama, which is an entirely contrasting kind of melodrama called The City of Brass, based on inscriptions on The City of Brass, a, a chapter of the Arabian Nights story. And it's a rather over-the-top melodramatic melodrama. And so here now are two melodramas by Bernard Herrmann from 1934, when he was a 23-year-old gentleman, uh, originally performed on the radio and essentially not heard since. They are first A Shropshire Lad, poems by A.E. Hausman, and then the City of Brass. Our narrator is Robert Ian McKenzie. The Albany Symphony is conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. The podcast of Conductor David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony Concert Broadcast is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. To fill out the disc that we're in the process of recording, I very much wanted to record a work of, of Hermann's that's never been recorded. A number of his orchestra pieces have, in fact, already been recorded. He had a big, beautiful symphony that's out there. There's even an opera, Weathering Heights, and two big oratorios, one based on Moby Dick. But among the pieces that have never been recorded uh, is a lovely early piece called Nocturne and Scherzo. It was written in 1936 on a commission from the CBS Symphony, and Howard Barlow conducted the premiere. It's in a very interesting and beautiful style. The nocturne almost harkens back to Impressionism, to Debussy, and also I keep hearing little bits of the early American Impressionist Charles Tomlinson Griffiths. It's a very delicate and uh, ephemeral kind of music, and it's it's followed by a, a really gut-wrenching scherzo, which actually Herman, much later, I think in the early 60s, used as the background for one of his films. He, he recycled the material from the scherzo because I think he found it so exciting. It was the last scene of the film Jason and the Argonauts. But in this version, it's in its pure symphonic form, and the scherzo to me sounds very Shostakovich-inspired or Kachaturian. It's very spiky and exciting. So here now, a very early work of Bernard Herrmann, a work that's been seldom heard since its premiere 71 years ago, Bernard Herrmann's Nocturne and Scherzo. It's a performance by the Albany Symphony with me, David Allen Miller, conducting. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. To create this little potpourri, I should say, of Bernard Herrmann works on the second half of our program, I thought it would be nice to close out with at least a little bit of Hermann's mature film music so that our public, you of course included, could um, get a sense of where Hermann was going from these early pieces as he matured as an artist. So here now is a, a brief little work. Uh, this is the overture to the film North by Northwest. It's only about a three-minute piece, but I think it gives you a very good sense of where Hermann was headed in these early pieces and also I think is striking because it shows just how evolved a voice he was in his early years. I mean, perhaps not as evolved as he is in this piece, but certainly those early pieces to me strike me as exhibiting an incredible amount of orchestral mastery, as well as a voice of a man who really knew just what he wanted to say. So here now to close our program, the overture North by Northwest by Bernard Herrmann. The orchestra once again is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. Welcome to the new Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller from WMHT.org. David Allen Miller conducts the Albany Symphony, and he provides commentary on the WMHT live broadcast. 
David's commentary is full of fascinating stories about the music, the performances, and more. In order to keep the program mostly music, some of what he provides ends up on the cutting room floor. This podcast contains no music, but it does contain all of David Allen Miller's commentary from the concert broadcast on WMHT Live on WMHT-FM, your classical companion.